It's time for Decal Download, your source for news and information from the Georgia Department of Early Care and Learning. We'll hear from Commissioner Amy M. Jacobs and special guests to give you an update on all things Decal. This is Decal Download. Downloading now. And we're back on Decal Download. I'm Reg Griffin, Chief Communications Officer here at the Georgia Department of Early Care and Learning with Commissioner Amy Jacobs. You probably know Jennifer Bridgman as the Process and Quality Improvement Manager in Child Care Services. And you may know Shade Thomas as our CAPS Quality Assurance and Training Consultant. But did you know they are both published authors writing about the COVID-19 impact on young children and children's mental health? Commissioner, today we're talking with both ladies about these recent accomplishments. Well, you know, we have a lot of talented individuals at DECAL, and so now we can add uh, children's authors to uh, these ladies' um, list of accomplishments. I can't wait to hear about their books. It's really, really impressive that they they took the time to do this and actually have uh, the talent to do this, because it's harder than people think uh, to write a book. I definitely couldn't do it, so I'm excited oh, to learn about it. <laughs> I can't imagine. Me too. And, and what I love about this is that we're always promoting literacy. We're always going into child care programs, whether it's pre-K classes or you know, uh, child care centers and reading books. These ladies can bring their own books. They've already, right. they're ready to go. <laughs> hey, you want to see a book? Well, I just happen to have one. And then set up a little merchandise table out in the hall, <laughs> like Definitely. all good authors do. Well, the books are entitled When the People Stayed Home and Today at School. And the authors, respectively, are Jennifer Bridgman and Shade Thomas. Ladies, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Well, let's start out and find out a little more about you guys. How long have you been with DECAL, what you were doing before DECAL, if you can remember? And uh, Shade, let's start with you. I started at DECAL in 2018 as a scholarship administration specialist, and I became full-time in 2019 as a quality assurance and training um, specialist. Uh, My past, I did a lot in early childhood education and primary and secondary school, as well as special education. Oh, wow. So very um, extensive background in early childhood education here. How do you like your your new position here? That's not new. You've been here for a little while, but how do you like working in the CAPS program? I enjoy it. Um, I've been in a couple positions there. So I started off, as I mentioned, as a scholarship administration specialist. Then I became the temp scholarship administration specialist manager. And then from there, that's when I became the quality assurance and training um, specialist. But I actually love speaking with people. So I really love the training aspect of the job. That's great. And um, are you now, with some of the changes that we've had at DECAL, are you now home-based? So I'm still, my job is home-based, but I'm considered mobile because um, when the office was open, if we had trainings or team meetings, we would come in. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Jennifer, how about you? I have been with DECAL and CCS for 15 years, actually. Uh, And um, previously and also in between have spent some time as a center director and as a pre-K resource coordinator um, with Georgia Pre-K and then as a family service advocate with Head Start um, in the very beginning. So that's kind of my background is a little bit varied in a bunch of different roles. Yeah, but some great background for the role that you're in today. You can draw from experience and a lot of that. I would have never guessed you've been here for 15 years, by the way. That's amazing. <laughs> yep. 
Well, Jennifer, um, very curious to know what led you to write a children's book. And is this your first one? Have you ever done anything like this before? I've never done anything like this before. Um, I will say that it was a bucket list kind of item for me. Um, I did have a college professor try to talk me into switching majors early on into English. Um, I didn't do it. I stayed with child and family development, but um, for some reason, I don't know. I've always enjoyed writing. I've enjoyed that kind of process, but it was always just something I was interested in, something I'd wanted to do. And this particular book, though, kind of has a unique story in that um, early on in the pandemic, I would say like April of, of 2020 last year, it was probably one or two o'clock at night, or I guess that's really early morning. Um, I was having a really hard time sleeping and sat up, picked up my phone and on the notes tab in my phone within about 10 minutes, all of these words and all of this, basically the book itself kind of just came out. Um, so I don't know if it was so much, you know, me writing it or if I was just the vessel for the thoughts. I don't know. It was, it was kind of a strange thing, but I think very unique in that it just was one of those things that just happened. And then the words were just there. And so that's kind of, that's kind of how the story came about. Wow. That's a cool story. What about you today? What led you to write a children's book? And is this something you've ever done before? So my experiences as a parent and work involvement in the school with children who suffer from mental health is really what inspired me to do it. And um, th no, this is my first time writing a book. I was at a seminar some years ago and there was a lady discussing a book she wrote for kids regarding diversity. And I was like, wow, maybe I can do one about mental health. And I wrote it back. I wrote about two years ago, two or three years ago, and I just sat on it. But as Jennifer mentioned, it, it, it kind of just happened. Like, the words were flowing and I just, I, it, I, I did it in my phone. <laughs> so it was in my notes for a very long time. But then I was like, you know what, let me do something with it. I'm sitting on it. Let me do something. I love the fact that you guys uh, just started writing, you know, and, and so many people would maybe procrastinate and say, well, I'll wait until I have some better ideas or I'll wait until this sort of gels. But I guess the advice here would be if you feel a book coming on, <laughs> Just go ahead and start writing it down, you know, Sade, like you said, whether it's in your phone or sitting up with a notepad or whatever before those creative thoughts leave you, because so often they sort of come and go. Um, Jennifer, you tell the story of the COVID-19 pandemic from a child's perspective and the good that came out uh, of that. And uh, I, I guess a lot of people would ask, what were some of the good things <laughs> that, that came out of COVID-19? Right, right. I think it's the things that maybe as adults we take for granted. Um, I wanted to, to kind of tell a story that when we talk about it or we look back on it years from now, it won't be the sense of all the scary parts that you hear every day, right, from the news and the media, that that's kind of what's portrayed on the daily. But and I do think there is certainly some, valid, some validity in the recognition in the sense that that, you know, the pandemic did bring about all of that stuff. But for children, you know, I wanted them to remember the things that they got to do um, that wasn't the norm, right? They got to do school at home. So maybe that wasn't fun for parents, but for them, that was exciting. Um, the games, the things that they did as, you know, as a family unit that maybe they just never really had time for on the daily. And then, you know, things like meals, um, people ate around their dining room table for the first time in a long time. You get so kind of caught up in the day to day, people are eating dinner in their car on the way home from practice and things like that. And so it just becomes this kind of cycle. 
Um, and I think when you, when you look back on those pieces, what the children hadn't maybe been able to experience before they were finally getting to. And for them, I think those would be the memories that I would want them to have of that time. Right. I guess for all of us, uh, at first it felt like a snow day that kind of <laughs> went into the next week and the next week. <laughs> right. But I, I get what you're saying. I think, you know, from a child's perspective, th- this was something exciting. You saw a lot more of mom and dad. Uh, in most cases, uh, and extended family as well. So um, th- this could be a year of many different feelings when you look back. Um, who are some of the characters uh, in your book? So it's mainly, it's just a variety of families, really. It's loosely based on some of the things that, you know, my children were involved in, nieces and nephews were involved in, um, some of those daily activities, things like that. Um, but really, it's just families in general. I wanted it to be kind of universal in the sense that there would be something that everybody could relate to um, in the story. Well, Sade, you tell the story of a seven-year-old boy named Brandon who suffers from a short attention span, lack of impulse control, and hyperactivity, but overcomes them with help from teachers and parents. What was your story based on? And so my story was based on, actually, as I mentioned, my experience uh, being a parent and working with children and also my son. Um, My son exhibited a lot of the behaviors that Brandon in the book exhibited. And I would suggest if a parent or teacher has uh, noticed some of these behaviors, that the best method for them is to consult with their child's pediatrician or school counselor for further recommendations. And always physical activity, first and foremost, um, has a lot of proven benefits to assist with mental health. Those are great suggestions. And Laura Lucas, uh, our director of infant and early childhood mental health at DECAL, says the same type things. Uh, She says young children have mental health or social emotional issues, too, just like we do as adults. And they communicate these issues through behavior, which can definitely be challenging and misinterpreted in a classroom. So um, I think the lessons that you provided in your book are definitely valuable uh, for parents and teachers, for sure. And Shadi, what are some of the methods that you suggest in your book when it comes to uh, assisting? And so the main thing is that if parents or teachers notice these type of behaviors is really just to consult with the child's pediatrician and the school counselor because they can provide further recommendation. As with Brandon, um, in the book, it doesn't tell, but he has a diagnosis. And so, you know, that's something that only a child pediatrician or Um, school counselor can assist the parent with. And your son now is a teenager. Yes, he is 16 years old. Were you, I'm curious about this because I've had friends that have been in a similar situation and it seems like the first hurdle that you have to overcome is just kind of acknowledging that there might be an issue here and the stigma associated with it. Is is that accurate? It is. And so (laughs) from a very young age, I think, Pre-K, as I can remember, he was really always a busybody. And then as time went by, you know, some teachers were tolerant of it and some teachers weren't. And I remember one day he get him getting in trouble. And I was like, why do you keep doing this? And he said, I can't help it. And so when he said it, it hit me because as a young child, I also experienced some of the same symptoms. And when he said, I couldn't help it, I remember not being able to help it. And so that definitely... Um, made me want to know more and do more regarding children and mental health. Right. And that partnership between the physician and the school and the parent really 
priceless, isn't it, when it all comes together? It really is. And parents have to want the help. I know as a parent, sometimes it can be a little embarrassing, maybe, if that's the best word, or shameful. I don't I really can't say all the ways that parents can feel, but you know, and so sometimes you try to hide it and not really get the attention and help that the child may need. And so I just would recommend parents if they exhibit these type of behaviors to see, because not just because your child's a busybody doesn't mean they automatically have a mental health issue, right? So that's why you have to talk with the school counselors and pediatricians and partner up to stay abreast of your child's behavior and daily um, activities at school. I always say that I, I think a lot of times parents are just frightened by the the whole idea and and um, not necessarily the embarrassment of it because there's no need to be embarrassed at all. This is perfectly normal, but um, you've got to know how to address it and uh, trying to get that information is important. I have my oldest daughter said all through school, I'm talking elementary, middle, high school, that she had ADHD. And we all said, oh, that's not true. Don't worry about it. That's not the case. She was diagnosed with it in college, if you can believe it or not. And there was definitely an I told you so uh, associated with that the whole time. She said, I've been telling you guys this for all these years. And she'll be 30 in September. Um, Jennifer, you have an extensive background we mentioned in early childhood education and we touched on this a little bit before, but I'd really like to ask both you and Sade um, with your backgrounds. What impact do you really think the pandemic will have on children long term, not just, you know, in the moment, but going forward? Right, right. I think that those that have been directly impacted by whether that was significant illness or even loss because of all of this will likely associate it as such. Um, and I think then there's those that that haven't experienced that and they may recognize the impact of it, but not fully understand it. Right. Mm -hmm. But I do think that whatever their experience has been, what's going to be important is just validating children and their perspective and their place in that. Um, you know, you don't want to discredit uh, the feelings and kind of the emotions around some of that hard stuff that they may have experienced. Um, but then you also want to maintain that kind of positive and, and what were some of the good things that, you know, may have happened, you know, for others too. So I think it's going to kind of just depend on what their experience was. Now I've been told from your coworkers that you have a tendency to find a silver lining in a little bit of everything. Is that true? You know, I'm going to say <laughs> I try to, but you know, I'm not going to say that, uh, I'm positive all the time and that there's always the silver lining. You know, if I'm being honest, there's just some really hard days, right? Um, where, you know, just being positive or, you know, having to do this one more day is just really not something you want to talk about or in your vocabulary. Um, but I do think that, you know, on those days, it's maybe just, uh, you know, giving yourself a little bit of grace and maybe you just showed up that day, right? Maybe you did the best you could and maybe that was good enough. And so I think, you know, you have to be thankful for those small things, whatever they are, um, and just kind of take those um, when you can get them and let that kind of be your silver lining. So I think it's, you know, it's just kind of about finding that perspective on, you know, what is it about today that mm -hmm. that I can be glad happened or I did or whatever. So. Right. Shadi, how about you? Um, you are able to work with families on a, on a regular basis. What effects are you seeing from all of this? 
So I would say the family as a whole, um, I can say for myself that I know it was a big change of having to stay home. It gave you, you know, parents more time to bond with their children, but it also gave the children more time to do so much more in the household that they typically wouldn't do throughout the day if they were at school. And so I think the family as a whole got a chance to bond, but also the family as a whole may may remember some of the times um, being stuck in the house when they couldn't get out and some of the frustrating moments. But I, I think, it, you know, it has its goods and its bads um, for the pan- since the pandemic, especially for me and my household, I would say. <laughs> Good days and bad days. I agree with you on that one. Well, uh, Shade and Jennifer, how do you go about having a book published? Uh, was it difficult? And how can people order your books? I, I mean, you obviously have the talent to write a book, but I wouldn't even know the first place to start about getting a book published. So can you tell us a little bit about how that works? Um, Shade, sure. I'll start with you. Well, I partnered up with an um, illustrator. She actually lives in Indonesia. And I wrote the book, I sent it to her and she just made it what it was. And then after that, I just self-published on Amazon. And so I had a, once I started talking more about the book and me publishing, I had a support team and so it made it very manageable to publish the book. And it is on Amazon, as I mentioned. What about you, Jennifer? Um, so I sent mine off to actually a couple of publishers just to kind of see if anything would happen. And, um, also Macaulay was the publisher that actually picked it up and, um, requested to publish it. So I worked with them on getting it published. They did the illustrations and, um, kind of did some of the editing and all that. And, um, we went back and forth for, took about almost a year, um, and then became available July 30th. Uh, through Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and Target. That is very cool. Okay, so Amazon for sure, Target and Barnes and Noble. Okay, perfect. So that's where we can look for Amazon for sure for both of your books. <laughs> I love this, and you can just pop right in there. Tell them that you want to go directly to the decal book section <laughs> of the store, and and just see the look of confusion on their face when you, when you ask that question. Um, but, you know, we've talked to a, a lot of the coworkers of both Jennifer and Sade, and I mentioned Pam Stevens and Catherine Broussard in CCSA. No surprise that Jennifer found um, the bright side, the positive side, and a way to share um, the perspective of a child in COVID-19 because she's positive pretty much all the time. And Sade, your manager, Emily Lacoca, uh, calls your, says you're talented, delightful, driven. I want to ask both of you in your roles, because as Jennifer mentioned, sometimes just showing up is a, is a challenge in any role. And, and you guys see the good and the bad. There are challenges out there, families that need our assistance uh, in various degrees and levels. What motivates you in your day-to-day work? Uh, here at DECAL. Uh, Jennifer, let's start with you. Um, I would say what motivates me is is my team, the people that I work with. Um, And also, I would say it's the work that we do and the the people that we do it for. So, you know, we're we're doing work on behalf of Georgia's children, right? And if we're not going to do that, who is? And so I kind of try to keep that in the back of my head and say, you know, at the end of the day, did we do something to 
to help make, you know, their environments better, to help make what they're doing um, day in and day out better. And I think that's kind of what, what keeps me motivated. Hmm. Shada, how about you? So for me, I would say uh, children, of course, as a parent, you want the best for your own child. Um, but I also want the best for all children. And so I know that I must work hard and build positive connections to be able to provide for the children. Well, here's a question not related to your books. Uh, so um, you may or may not know, because it may not have changed for you, but we now have three categories of employees at DECAL. Headquarters based, so those of us that work in the Atlanta offices, home based, those that are newly in our homes and don't usually go visit any programs, and then mobile, which um, these folks have been mobile for most of their time at, at DECAL and they do go visit programs on a regular basis. Which are you, if you know, <laughs> mm. and how do you like it? Uh, Jennifer, we could start with you this time. Um, I am mobile. I have been mobile since day one, 15 years ago. So for us, or for really for me, with when all of this change happened, nothing really changed for us. Um, so, you know, other than just that kind of reduced interaction with staff and our providers, um, you know, the, the home based was not new, though. I will say, you know, this much of it, I'm not a fan of. So, <laughs> <laughs> I love the honesty. And you're in uh, town uh, around Milledgeville. Um, yes. Correct. OK. And Shade, how about you? My position just became mobile based. So I'm really home based. But like I mentioned, if we have team meetings or we have new hires and we have to train, then we do come into the office. So I am now considered a mobile um, based employee. I have always enjoyed the home and office um, work life. Um, until the pandemic happened, I'm just going to be honest. Um, I typically will only come and mention, as I mentioned, for training. But once everything closed and the children were out of school, it just made things a little difficult. So. I do enjoy um, our semi-new normal again. And yeah, I like being at home and having to come in the office when necessary. That's great. And where are you located? DeKalb County. DeKalb. Okay. So we're everywhere. Uh, over 700 employees all over the state of Georgia. Here's two examples for you, Jennifer, uh, down near uh, Milledgeville in Middle Georgia and uh, Sade in DeKalb County. Uh, here in Metro Atlanta, and um, it's it's just good to know that we're close to everybody all across the state. Well, this is great, uh, and it's been great talking with you guys about this experience, both unique um, experiences, and and so glad you were able to do this. Uh, again, the books are called "When People Stayed Home." That's Jennifer's book, and today at school. That's Sade's book. And I, I guess one obvious question that we need to ask before we wrap up today is, um, do you see books in the future? And what about the movie rights? <laughs> I, I would say um, you never know, right? I, I would love to say I would write another one. Um, would it come as easily as the first one? I'm not real sure. And so, you know, but I, I would say never say never. I, it would definitely, you know, be something I would consider doing. And Shade, what do you think? I, I would say yes. Um, Today at School is a two-book series. And so the first book talks about his behavior. And the second book would just show how his day at school is once the behavior modifications are put in place. And you'll just see the transformation between him and the teacher in the classroom. That's great. Well, both of these are very, very positive. And uh, I think, again, it's a great example of our entire DECAL team uh, that each individual goes above and beyond, but these two, particularly uh, in writing books. And as Jennifer said, part of a bucket list uh, and something that uh, she's really enjoyed doing. And Sade is 
as well, taking uh, some some pretty serious subjects here, um, but putting them in a way that all of us can relate to and better understand and uh, and put to good use. So we hope you'll uh, get a copy if you haven't already. And here's the great news. You can get them autographed next time you see them. Now, when that will be, we can't tell you, but... <laughs> <laughs> Next time you see them, you can get an autograph. When People Stayed Home, Today at School, again, both available on Amazon. Uh, Jennifer has more locations uh, that you can go to, uh, but definitely support uh, your decal team uh, in their um, extracurricular activities beyond decal walls in doing uh, some really great work. Jennifer and Shadai, thanks for being with us today. Thank you so much, Reg, Commissioner. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Now your questions from the water cooler. Hi, I'm Jill O'Meara. I work in the Quality Innovations and Partnerships Division at DECAL, and I live here in Valdosta. My question for Commissioner Jacobs is, what is our rule about custodial parents being allowed in childcare programs where their children are attending? Well, uh, thanks, Jill. That's a good question and a question that we are getting pretty frequently these days. Um, so back when, just a little history, back when the pandemic began, um, the governor issued an executive order which declared a public health emergency. And in that, many different state agencies um, asked for some rule suspensions, including decal, to help you know add further protection or provide some additional requirements. Uh, during the pandemic, one of those, uh, one of the rule suspensions at DECAL was um, that you did not have to allow parents in the building. That is one of our regular CCS rules where anytime a child is present, the custodial parent should have access to uh, the building anytime their child is present. And so, um, as you'll remember, our governor uh, did not extend the public health emergency over the summer. And so we do not currently have a declared public health emergency and therefore do not have any rule suspension. So all of our rules are intact. And so that means that programs definitely need to allow the custodial parent access to the building when their children are present. Um, and we have definitely recommended that they can put some precautions in place. We know that adds an extra you know, person coming into the building um, with their small child, but they can also add some protections like requiring a mask or doing a temp check. Um, and you know, I have to say and reiterate what you know, the governor and Dr. Toomey have said over and over again, that our best mitigation strategy right now is to get the vaccine. And so while you can put these other non-pharmaceutical things in place like masks and temperature checks, um, our best way out of this pandemic um, is to get the vaccine. And so I encourage everyone to do that um, as soon as possible if you have not already. And also we uh, are happy to announce that we have updated our guidance on COVID-19 with the Georgia Department of Public Health, posted that to our website, now available for child care, all updated with current conditions. Yes, we, uh, that was a uh, long awaited. It took, it's a, quite a process, you know, to work with two agencies to make sure we have some updated guidance, but I think uh, childcare is ready to see that. And they have done a really great job of following that guidance throughout the pandemic. So just go to the website, decal.ga.gov, do a search for COVID guidance, childcare, and uh, it'll bring it right up. Uh, the latest information from decal and the Georgia department of public health. Time to give you a chance at winning a nice prize in the decal download quiz. We're drawing one name from all the correct answers to this question. What are the titles of the new children's books authored by our own Jennifer Bridgman and Sade Thomas? What are the titles of the new children's books authored by our own Jennifer Bridgman and Sade 
Thomas. Email your response to decal download at decal.ga.gov. You could win a prize from Chick-fil-A, Fun Spot America, Georgia Lottery, Gwinnett Stripers, The School Box, Six Flags Over Georgia, Stone Mountain Park, Skyline Park at Ponce City Market, and Wild Adventures Theme Park. Again, decal download at decal.ga.gov. Answer the question. We'll draw one name from all the correct answers and give you that prize. Thanks for playing and good luck. Thanks for tuning in to Decal Download. For more information, visit our website at decal.ga.gov. The conversation continues on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest. Follow Commissioner Jacobs on Twitter at C-O-M-M Jacobs.